presented by the Common Sense Institute. Welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Colorado's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright. Welcome to Common Sense Digest podcast. My name is Earl Wright, and I am the chairman of the board of CSI. Thank you for joining us today. We are a full year and a half recovered from the worst economic downturn in our state's history following the onset of COVID-19 pandemic. While the pace of economic recovery has been much stronger than in prior recessions, there are many headwinds that indicate the economy could be slowing. Lower levels of monthly job growth, increasing inflation risk, disruptions in global supply chains, and labor shortages, nearly everywhere you look, are all contributing to an uncertain future and a timing of this for this full recovery. Today I'm joined by Patty Silverstein, Chief Economist at Development Research Partners, and Chris Brown, Vice President of Policy and Research with the Common Sense Institute. Patty has been involved analyzing the Colorado economy for more than 30 years. She serves as a consulting chief economist for the Metro Denver Economic Development Corporation and Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce. Patty, welcome. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here, Earl. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you, Patty. Chris Brown joined CSI just four years ago and has been engaged in a wide range of economic and policy issues. Welcome back, Chris. It's always great to see you. Good to see you, Earl. Thank you for both joining us today. Let's get started. Patty, I want to start with you. The current state of the Colorado economy is a big topic. Patty, how would you describe the current state of our state? We are in the midst of a recovery, but it has been a recovery that has not been widespread, I would would say. You know, that we are certainly seeing that there are some people that have gained, some people that are losing yet throughout all of this. But, you know, we have to keep in mind, we lost 376 thousand jobs when COVID hit here. That was two and a half times the number of jobs that we lost during the Great Recession. We've now recovered about 79% of those jobs, which is a little bit better than the national average. But we still have a lot of ground that we need to cover. We still have a lot of folks that we need to get back to work. Colorado ranks 17th right now in terms of job recovery. And we don't like that. We like to be in the top 10 when it comes to measures such as that in terms of, you know, how well your economy is doing. So we still have some ground to, to recover here, but we're on our path. We're on our recovery path. Hey, Patty, thanks. I have a couple of follow-up questions to your information there. You said some have gained and some have lost. Could you tell us who's gained and could you tell us who's lost? Well, certainly when we start taking a look at some of the individuals, you know, there are still a lot of folks that we have that are unemployed out there. Um, But it's kind of fascinating right now and and that we have more job openings than we've ever posted in our history. But yet we have this large number of people that are unemployed. There's kind of this mismatch happening right now between the jobs that are open and the jobs that people are willing, perhaps, or able to take. Of course, the, the, big, um, the big example right now is in the leisure and hospitality industry. That's the industry where we are still significantly lagging in terms of employment recovery. So folks that had been within that industry are still being challenged, although they are also the businesses that have 
a lot of these job openings. So again, this whole mismatch that is happening right now. In light of this recovery so far, Patty, uh, what's the most surprising aspect of the recovery to date? That point that I just touched upon about how is it even possible that we have more job openings than we have ever had, but yet still Colorado ranks number 35 in terms of unemployment rate right now. That means we have the 15th highest unemployment rate, but yet we have this very large number of job openings. And and so why are we not seeing people coming back into the labor force? Because that's what we need to spur that job growth on. We need, and and actually I kind of misspoke there in that I said people aren't coming back into the labor force, which is not true. We actually, our labor force is at the highest level that it has ever been in the state of Colorado. It's more the question of why aren't people moving back into an employed position. They're, they're supposedly in the labor force, but they're not moving into an employed position. So that's, that's really been one of the very surprising things to me is, is where did the workers go? <laughs> you know, Chris, I'm going to follow up with you on that because you've uh, put out the – a uh, monthly report on jobs and labor force update. And what that just really struck me is you talked about the uh, the she session and the uh, number of uh, the difference between the, the and the female uh, labor force, the difference of people with children, without children, working, the participation rate. Fill us in a little bit more on that, if you would, please. Yeah, the she session was dubbed uh, in, in the you know, early months of the pandemic as, as women, mothers were hit pretty hard in the pandemic and dealing with myriad of, of issues and job loss and, and school closures. If I remember correctly, particularly here in Colorado and relative to the nation. Yeah. And Colorado did stand out disproportionately in terms of that labor force participation rate. However, just a few days ago, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released the September jobs report and labor force participation rates. And for the first time since the start of the pandemic, the labor force participation rate for mothers actually reached pre-pandemic levels. Women overall had recovered uh, some months ago, but mothers uh, continued to lag. And as recently as a few months ago was two to four percentage points below pre-pandemic levels, which is is very significant. But, you know, there's a lot of volatility in these monthly estimates, yet this is a, a sign and really, you know, following on Patty's remarks that there is this recovery in participation and what the data is showing. But, you know, you go anywhere, you go to any business and you speak with any manager, hiring someone that's hiring, and people are still facing these significant sort of labor shortages. So in, on one hand, that's great news. On the other hand, these challenges uh, still really remain. Well, I want to go, go back to the uh, she session. Are you saying that the she session is possibly behind us now and that that Concern we had in September uh, that this, in September data shows us that maybe the uh, the the ladies are coming back into the labor force, mothers being the leading indicator. Although I note that uh, the women without children still tend to have a lower participation rate than they did before the, the pandemic. Am I remembering your study correctly? 
So these monthly numbers are, are somewhat volatile at the state level. So women without children, so they have in previous months been above their pre-pandemic participation rate. So right. it's, it's fluctuating, but you're, you are correct that in some ways the data is suggesting that from a participation, a workforce participation standpoint, uh, we're not seeing the same level of, of, of impact on mothers and women that we were seeing in the early start of the pandemic. So I, I'm not here to declare the, the she session over. Okay. But – you know, I think that the information we're seeing is 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 clearly showing the trend is is very different from where it was just a few months ago. Okay, I want to throw this out to the two of you. What do you think it's going to take for us to get the participation rate back up to where it was in the pre-pandemic level? Patty, I'll throw it to you first. And I know there's no absolutely perfect, but what you know, if you could say, I'd like to see this happen or that happen, what would it be? So Colorado, you know, has the fourth highest labor force participation rate or, you know, fourth or fifth, kind of depending upon the month. So we have a very high participation rate. Yeah, 70-some percent. I was amazed to see that number in your studies. Right, but but we're still not quite back to where we had been. But the U.S. is is way, way, way We're down to 61 percent in the United States, 61 in a fraction, right? Right. So what is it going to take to to get some of that those participants back? I mean, again, we have right now the 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 recent measure on the Colorado labor force is 3.2 million people. That is one of the highest levels. I believe it is the highest level that we have all ever posted. So we have the labor force. It's still the issue that we have a, a large number of people that are claiming to be in the labor force but are still unemployed. We have right around 179,000 people throughout the state of Colorado that are still unemployed. We would like to see that number down below 100,000. I mean, you always have some type of churn. You always have some t- some level of unemployment, and you want some level of unemployment so that you do have that uh, availability in the labor force. But but you know, for argument's sake, let's say we still you know have a hundred thousand people that we would like to move out into into a working position. Why aren't they going there? And we're, we're, we're whittling away at it. We are seeing this number come down. I mean, it has been coming down steadily since about December. But, you know, maybe, maybe there are still issues with, uh, you know, the child care issues, the education issues. I think there's also a lot of fear factor that is still out there. I think we need to get the pandemic better under control before people will really be ready to go out there. And I think, too, that people are whittling through all of those economic stimulus funds and all the extra unemployment benefits, you know, that and until, you know, that when when the reality starts to hit that, oh, yeah, we've, we've spent all of those funds or, or or we now need to supplement our household income, I think then we'll start to see people going back in a little uh, faster pace than what we have seen so far. So what I heard you say was that COVID is still a problem. COVID is still a problem. Uh, Child care is still a problem. In fact, I just read recently uh, that the uh, child care uh, staffing is a huge issue nationwide, and I can't believe it's not a problem here in Colorado. Um, So we've got that. And then you've, you've said thirdly that, you know, people have been able to put some money aside. I think uh, 
three or four months ago, as I remember, Patty, the $2 trillion in extra savings in the United States uh, versus pre-pandemic period. So some of that had to be here in Colorado, wouldn't you think? Right. Interesting, though, when you take a look at the um, the impact of all of the government transfer funds on Colorado, actually our level of government transfer funds was one of the lower states, simply because many of these funds were triggered by income levels. So in, in particular, the economic stimulus funds, where Colorado has a relatively high uh, per capita personal income level, there are many families here that did not qualify for all of those various economic stimulus funds. I mean, don't get me wrong. We still received a lot of money that kept us going, but we were not one of the larger recipients across the country. Chris, wasn't uh, the group that probably got hardest hit on unemployment was leisure and hospitality, that group? It was up there, certainly, yeah, and accommodation, yeah. Okay, and, and I would think, Patty, that would be the group that probably got the most in the way of support funds. So maybe, and I believe that's also the group in your studies, if I remember your studies correctly, have said that's still an underemployed area. So that goes back to your point about maybe some of this funding has helped some people sustain themselves without a job for a while. Right. Here in Colorado, if we take a look at our leisure and hospitality employment through the third quarter of 2021, let's let's back it up, compare it to third quarter of 2019, just, you know, kind of pre-pandemic. We are still down by 47 thousand jobs in leisure and hospitality across the country. And this truly is one of the reasons, too, why our unemployment rate is still a little bit higher. Pre-pandemic, Colorado had the seventh strongest concentration of leisure and hospitality workers in the country. I mean, and that makes sense. We, you know, we have a lot of uh, visitors to the state and that type of thing. That was the key explanation for why we were hard hit, why our unemployment rate went up so quickly compared to some other states, and why it has not been coming down as rapidly, because we still have a lot of unemployed in that position, but you still have all the job openings. Again, some type of of mismatch. That makes a whole lot of sense. You'd have a lot of job openings in that arena because how much money did we all set aside hoping that we could, once we got out of the house, we could go out to dinner? Or once we got out of the house, we could maybe go to a movie? Oh, my goodness, what a thought. And once we got out of the house, we could do all, and that's all in the service and leisure arena. So you said it was a mismatch. Right, absolutely. And, and, And put on top of that, too, on the accommodation side, you know, we also have been an area that has attracted business conferences and, and that type type of uh, individual all throughout the state. And businesses are not doing those conferences, you know, as, as rapidly right now. So our accommodations industry is still definitely lagging behind. Patty, you've uh, just to kind of keep the mic on you for a few more minutes. Uh, you've been working in a lot of various areas of the economy. You know, what, what are some of the different sectors in the economy that, that uh, as far as the recovery goes, you think that they're probably going to do well coming out of this uh, pandemic recession, if you can call it that? Right. So in the Metro Denver region in particular, we focus on nine industry clusters in 
terms of our economic development strategy. The state as a whole has a slightly different mix of industries that they focus on, but but there's a lot of commonality between the Metro Denver industry clusters in Colorado. And what we saw throughout this whole pandemic is still out of our nine industry clusters, Five of them continued to grow and expand. Industries like aerospace, oh my gosh, aerospace has done absolutely, um, they have been growing at very, very strong paces. In fact, they were one of our strongest growth industries back in 2020 during the midst of the pandemic, and a lot of that because of the nature of their work. The bioscience industry has been growing. They were rock stars throughout this, all of this. We had a lot of companies all throughout the front range that were involved in some type of therapeutic development, vaccine development. So certainly that industry has done really well. We can't forget about software, information technology software, all of those high-tech companies. They also became oh so important during this period of time so that workers could move to a remote position. So you also bring in all of our broadband and telecommunications operators as well. So there are industries that are definitely continuing to grow and prosper, and those are a lot of the industries, too, that we expect to continue to grow and prosper in the future. If I'm following you correctly, Patty, um, all the industries that you pointed out tend to have a higher degree of education associated with them. They do, and generally. Although, I mean, let's keep in mind, all of these industries, there is a whole spectrum of occupations and positions that are involved. But in general, yes, those are going to be a little more of the higher wage positions. Okay. In your opinion, Chris, I know you all have done studies at Common Sense Institute, or we all have. How are we matching up with what Patty is talking about in the growth of our economy with the folks that we're educating here in the state? Or is there a gap that's likely to be created, at least from our own source, uh, and how are we going to match up with demand for this skill set versus uh, supply of the folks to fulfill it? It would be interesting to see if any of the dynamics change coming out of the pandemic. But when we've looked at this question in the past, uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, even maybe a year ago, looked at the this issue, Colorado is probably going to have to continue to rely on importing a lot of talent for a lot of these positions. We graduate, you know, 60 to 70,000 students a year. And while Colorado does have a a relatively low graduation rate and a a high portion of individuals that need sort of remedial coursework, I, I still think given the growth and given the growth in the sectors that Colorado is able to attract and retain, we're still going to rely on a lot of, of talent coming into the state from outside of our current K-12 system. But to your point, something we'll have to take a little more uh, deeper look at to see if that dynamic has changed or will change as a result of, of the pandemic. Well, that leads me to the question for you, Patty, and that is if we have this importation and we have the continue, we had one of the faster growths in the last decade. We have new congressional district uh, because of the growth. We're still appealing uh, to people to come into the state, even though we have issues. But we have housing and real estate and residential issues. How do you see this 
the residential issue being resolved, or wh- how, what is the residential issue if you see one? And, of course, people are consumers. That oftentimes means you have to have commercial property. So how do you see the real estate industry in light of coming out of the pandemic and then in light of what Chris just said and how you laid out the attractiveness of this state and Chris saying, hey, we're going to have to import a lot of people to meet the de- you know, further growth if it continues like we've just we've discussed or we think will occur? Ooh, lots of questions in there. So let me... Well, stick with real estate. See, what, <laughs> see how does real estate going to react? Actually, let me take a step back first, though, and just talk about population growth in general. Yes, we were one of the faster growing states in the country, sixth fastest growing um, in from 2010 to, to 2020. But keep in mind, though, too, that this was the slowest rate of growth that the U.S. as a whole has seen going back to the 1930s. Right. You know, so so mobility was very challenged. So a lot of folks are saying, oh, we, we have to keep bringing people in, bringing people in. We have not necessarily been bringing people in. Our mobility levels, our, our net migration levels have been at some of the, the lower points that we have seen You're in our state. You're talking about the United States. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about Colorado. Colorado, too. okay. In Colorado as well. Even though we are we're one of the faster growing states, Still, by historic standards, we were growing at a much slower pace here as well. And part of the issue then that that we're bringing up in terms of talent is a whole demographics issue. Our population, we have a, a large number of baby boomers that are retiring and that population base coming in now all of all of those folks that have not quite made it into the labor force is a much smaller number so we are concerned about the level of talent availability currently but it's not expected to get any better either because of the demographics so anyway just to make that point that 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 you know that bringing more talent in is not necessarily going to be a bad thing because we're going to need that to help fuel our economy moving forward because we we have a lower birth rate and, and all than what we have had before as well. So anyway, did, should I go on to commercial real estate? Or well, do, how about do you wanna... residential real estate <laughs> and, and how you see the that and commercial real estate? Because you spend a lot of time talking about real estate in your studies and and research. Share you know share some thoughts with us in that arena, if you would please. So residential real estate. I stink at really trying to forecast right about now just because it has been so hard to really get a good handle on. What, you know, what does my, stink mean in economic terms? <laughs> I'm trying to say. <laughs> my, you know, um, we, my expectation when the pandemic started was, oh, no, residential real estate. We're really going to see people just hunker down, stay in place. The market is not going to be very active at all. I couldn't have been more wrong. Rather, what we saw were the people decided that they needed a a new space, a different space, a space in a different location. They needed more of whatever they had before. And so we saw a very, very active residential market. What also was going on at that time, though, is that our millennial population, that largest population group here in the state of Colorado right now, where the, the peak number of millennials is right right around that 30, 31, 32 type of year. 
And that's where people tip, that's when people typically will be out there buying their first home. A lot of the millennials had delayed home purchases, but during the pandemic, it really became much more important to own their own place. So we had that going on from that whole demand side. On the supply side, we've been building not enough units. When we take a look all across the state of Colorado, we saw a major pullback in construction activity in 2019. Um, A little bit, you know, very low levels in 2020. They're starting to really get back to to developing new properties now in 2021. So we have a housing shortage in Colorado? We have a housing shortage, yeah. Strong demand, but very limited supply. And how how long do you think it'll take for that housing shortage to be uh, corrected? Depends on the level of construction, but certainly, you know, in in the Metro Denver region, I think that our the the quantity of units that were built in Metro Denver maintained more of an equilibrium level than the state of Colorado as a whole. But it's still going to take. You know, boy, my crystal ball is a little bit fuzzy on that one as far as how long it will take. But we're probably needing some a good, strong level of, of housing construction activity for two to the next two to three years to really start making a dent. And some would argue probably even longer than that. Chris, I'm, I might be that person that would argue much longer. I, we, you know, I this is a topic we've spent a lot of time thinking about uh, over the last couple months, and we estimated the state would need over 55,000 new units a year to return to a historic housing to population ratio prior to the financial crisis in 2008. And that is a number, 55,000 is a number significantly higher than what we've seen in the last couple of years. So uh, if you're looking for someone to say five to 10, it's going to take a long time, I think, at the pace we're seeing with where permitting and new construction is and the challenges to get projects off the ground, uh, very pessimistic, if you will, in terms of the outlook for housing supply turning around anytime soon. You know, one of the things that um, amazed me, and maybe we have another time to talk about it, is what kind of income you have to have to be able to rent at the average rent here in Colorado if one-third of your income is to go for rental. Do that math sometime, and all of a sudden you're finding people have to make a pretty doggone good salary if they hope to have a chance to go into the average rental space in the front range. But, you know, one of the things that um, I've always kind of been a little bit surprised by is how much time we focus on the front range. There are folks on the western slope. It's like we have two states, eastern Colorado and western Colorado. Tell me about western Colorado, if both of you would, about this pandemic and how it may have impacted them and how they're recovering. So in terms of um, some of the other areas of the state, one of the things that that we take a look at is how employment is doing, how, how other indicators are doing, too, with all of our metropolitan statistical areas. So if we take a look at all of our seven metropolitan statistical areas in the state of Colorado, that covers 17 counties. We have 64 counties throughout the state of Colorado. So it's oftentimes, you're right, that oftentimes what is happening throughout all of those other counties throughout the state kind of gets lost in the mix. What we're seeing right now um, in terms of of economic recovery, Colorado Springs is, is the one that is really leading the show 
Right now, that whole region has had very, very solid employment growth, a lot of it because it's a cheaper alternative. You know, along the front range, they're also doing really well in terms of cybersecurity. You move out into Grand Junction, and Grand Junction is actually coming back. That whole metropolitan statistical area, the western slope, has been doing pretty good. They have been focused a lot on expanding their airport, expanding their educational systems. They have become a big area, too, for outdoor recreation, attracting people into the region there. And retirees have been going there because it's a less expensive alternative, close to all of the outdoor recreation. So Grand Junction has actually been doing pretty good. One of the regions that is kind of lagging behind right now is also on our front range, and that would be Weld County or the Greeley Metropolitan Statistical Area. A lot of that because of the challenges related to um, oil and gas industry and also some challenges that they're seeing even in terms of renewable energies up in there, which has been kind of a balance for them for many years. But now Vestas is kind of reorganizing some of their operations. Um, so, th- so that's been a bit of a, a challenge there. But Metro Denver, Boulder, um, you know, doing right about average in terms of what we're seeing throughout the whole state. The state as a whole, though, I mean, as I had mentioned, you know, we're down by 47,000 jobs in leisure and hospitality. A lot of those positions tend to be in our mountain resort communities and other areas that are still lagging um, in terms of population growth. But you take all of those other counties, add them up together, they're still seeing an employment growth rate about equal to the state average right now. So that's good news. Chris, we've um, at CSI have done a lot of studies on various topics, and there always seems to me to be this difference between urban versus rural. I just mentioned the you know Western Colorado versus Eastern Colorado, but maybe there's more of the differentiation in you know the the urban areas versus the rural areas. How do you see the pandemic impacting the rural versus urban? If there is a difference at all in the some of the studies that you've been doing and yeah i think patty summed it up quite well in terms of differences the way i have thought about it is it's really a matter of what type of sectors your community has and and the extent to which you're being impacted so again mentioned weld county and this impacts the around eastern plains uh, sorry um Piance Basin as well, where I I think that if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic, we'd be talking about the energy and oil and gas crisis we're facing, where that sector is down, last I checked two months ago, I think 25% in terms of employment relative to pre-pandemic levels. And that's not just attributed to the pandemic. That's a global uh, issue. And so when you look at the types of industries being impacted, you have to look at, you know, you slice it by energy if, you, if you're dependent on recreation and tourism. And if you're attracting those technology and, and growing businesses, I think you're doing better. So there certainly is an urban-rural issue and divide. And I think that plays out when we start talking policy a little bit more as well. But in terms of recovery, I really think about it in the context of what sectors are more prevalent in your community, in your region, and kind of considering how those are being impacted through this 
uh, pandemic. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Patty, if you've done a lot of studies with regards to Colorado, you know, where we are, taking a look at the future. Considering the pandemic and where we are at this point in time, how do you see us evolving out of it over the next 18 months? So our expectation or our forecast is that we will recover all of the jobs that have been lost by about the fourth quarter of next year. So kind of that September, October type of time frame. That would put it at about 29 months to add back all of the jobs. In the Great Recession, it took us 38 months to add add back everything that had been lost. So a little bit swifter recovery, but that still for a lot of people still feels like a really long time. Painful. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so certainly, you know, we're on that whole recovery path. I think that the some of the key industries that are going to help to pull us out of this are some of those industries that we have seen a lot of movement in now. And high-tech industries being very important. Food and beverage industries have been doing quite well, too, because we continued to eat. Maybe mm-hmm. we were getting that food in a different place, different location, but that that was certainly one of our key industries as well. Aerospace will continue to do well, I believe, within our state. So those are, you know, so again, a lot of the, the skill sets, the skill levels range from those very high-tech, high, high education levels to in the food and beverage side, that's manufacturing. That, you know, and a lot of the, the need for, for some of our mid-level manufacturing workers. Chris, uh, I know you've been looking at uh, the data from maybe 32,000 feet, and if we're to continue to have the success we've had the previous decade, what two or three things do you think we need to focus on and try to take this pandemic as an advantage to focus on those issues? Well, if you give me one area, it's housing, 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 and housing. I've talked, maybe it's just been front of mind, but... I think the affordability issues that high prices in our residential, whether that's the single family, whether that's the multifamily uh, market, the challenges that presents from the standpoint of taking risk, uh, starting off building wealth, starting family, you know, making decisions of where to live and where to locate. Uh, I think that is a crucial issue for Colorado to understand that we are quickly approaching affordability levels that we are no longer seen as significantly more competitive than the Bay Area and Los Angeles and Seattle and some of these markets where we, we for the last decade, had been relatively more attractive because we had a lower uh, we had, were more affordable, that, is, that dynamic is changing and, and, and changes every year. And I think to remain competitive, that is a, uh, for me, I think the single issue that could change the trajectory of the state. That's what comes to mind first for me. And I'd be curious, your ideas or Patty's as well. Patty, do you add anything to that? I actually have a few things that I would add to that. Um, I think the the continuing to build out the broadband network throughout the state of Colorado is absolutely crucial 
for employers and, and to be able to work all throughout the, the state of Colorado. So that is one thing that I would put on the list. Workforce development. We have amazing workforce development centers located all throughout the state of Colorado. Um, and their task, you know, really trying to help people upskill, reskill, new skill is also critical. So supporting that whole system and making sure that they can get out to the employees there, very important. The unemployment insurance system, as a small business owner myself, I am really concerned in the next couple of years what's going to happen to my premiums. And because of all the money that Colorado borrowed for unemployment insurance and what that is going to do to our rates. So I would love to see some type of funding, um, you know, some of those those federal relief funds that are coming in help to pay down some of that debt. And, and lastly, I would encourage all the employers out there, be flexible. You know, we have many workers that are, there's still that fear factor of coming back in. And I think that the the companies that are saying either you have to be 100% in office or 100% remote are missing the boat. I think it really is going to be a a matter of maintaining some flexibility for our, our workers to make sure that we are in the best position to really grow once again. Patty, Chris, what an enjoyable conversation. Thank you so much for the skill set you bring to this topic and all the work that you do in the community, Patty, and the various organizations that you are the you know primary economic uh, research person for them. Chris, thank you for all the studies that you and CSI do. We're better off as a state and community for all of it. Thank you. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. Good to see you, Patty, and thank you very much, Earl. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Colorado, please visit commonsenseinstituteco.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on podcatchers everywhere or on our website under the podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.